0: Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. We're deep into Oscar season here at Below the Line. This is the ninth of 12 episodes with panels of film industry professionals discussing the Oscar nominees and their category of expertise. Today, we're talking about film editing, and I've got returning guests. Christopher Angel, you're a triple threat writer, director, editor. You've been editing for over 25 years, and your credits include James Cameron's Expedition Bismarck and Gary Chanling's The Making of the Larry Sanders Show. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be back. Thanks.
0: Amy Dunleston, you're a film editor with 30 years in the industry, and your credits include Mayor of Easttown, Gus Van Sant's Psycho, and Love and Death. Glad you could make it again.
2: Oh, it's my favorite time of the year.
0: Well, it is my favorite time as well. Don't tell (laughs) the guests on my other episodes. Uh, But uh, this one's always a lot of fun. Uh, Listeners, if you want to learn more about Chris or Amy's credits, imdb.com is your resource. Search for Below the Line. Find this episode. And there, with a click on their names, it'll take you right to their full Hollywood credit list. Okay, here we go. The 2023 nominees for film editing are Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. We're going to discuss them in that order, and spoilers are possible, so consider this a warning.
2: An embarrassment of riches is what it is.
1: It's a very interesting selection of movies,
0: (laughs) really, yeah. We got a lot of things to talk about with this. Yeah. Uh, One note that I will put out here at front, and again, um, I'm a bit of a broken record on this, but... While recognizing our below-the-line compatriots by name, I do occasionally mispronounce some of them. Chris and Amy, you should correct me if you notice I get anything wrong. Otherwise, you're equally responsible, I'm sorry to say. So. <laughs> oh, no. There it's... are a few
2: exciting names in the mix Yeah, there's some so... names
1: that I, I should have probably Googled before this. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, uh, let's get into it. Uh, all right, we're off to the races. Let's start with Anatomy of a Fall, editing by Laurent Seneschal. We.
2: Oui. We.
0: Oui. Absolutely.
2: I loved this movie. Me too. I nice. mean, we
0: always agree, Amy. It's probably
1: a probably. <laughs> you've got to get like, like, yeah. I'm waiting no, to I, see the the other movies on this list if we disagree, but I'm with you. So sorry, keep going.
2: I I loved this movie. Um I saw it in the theater and then I watched it again with, you know, my in-laws at Christmas and uh it it just I was like there were so many things going on and it it just like and your brain just kept moving and i just thought it was brilliant i just really thought it was brilliantly edited i mean there was a part down towards the end where you're kind of like uh, i'm ready for this to be over like wrap it up but then like something would happen and it was just really uh i just thought it was stellar stellar editing stellar directing like the writing like everything about this film was like top notch it was just best picture what like i just yeah i loved it
0: as An aside on editing, I'm going to leave that big pause in there, Amy. And people just have to imagine you shaking your hands in the air when <laughs> you're talking about that. So, we're, we're going for a much more natural approach to the editing. Listeners, you probably noticed by now, but uh, we're going to leave that in. I do that. <laughs> so, unfortunately, for
1: drama here, I totally agree with Amy. I me, mean, this was like I'm actually sad this is the one we're starting with because for me, this was sort of like the surprise of the year. Um, I think of all the movies nominated in this category, it, it just stands out as being like the smallest. It's got to be the smallest budget. It's, uh, you know, sort of less sets, um, less ambitious on like a, a production point of view. But for me, it makes the editing stand out all the more because it just, it works. And the editing, like I can watch it and really see where the editing is making this movie better. And I think for somebody who's like trying to look at the editing category, that's an amazing place to be because it, it really speaks to like the technique of the editor. Um, I'm going to spoil the movie a little bit, but there's two, there's two kind of parts to this movie, right? So there's a, a murder that takes place. And the question is, is it a murder? Is it a suicide? And the first half of the movie takes place in the chalet where the murder happened. And it's a father and a family or the death. I'll call, I'll call it the death. The
2: death. Yes, the death, The
1: death happens. So the first half all takes place in the chalet and it has its own rhythm and uh, pacing. And it's it's very interesting because it's the psychological kind of triangle. There's a lawyer comes in, there's the mother and there's the child. And then the second half of the movie takes place in the courtroom with that same lawyer and it's uh, you know, a French style court case. But the, you know, the rhythm and the pacing of the editing changes. But it's just, it is so, I think Amy, Amy was like gripping onto a cliff there. So on the edge <laughs> of your seat. I was, earlier. I was gripping. Yes, when she paused, <laughs> that's what she was doing. But it's just like, it's masterfully done. And the editing helps tell the story and keeps you so engaged. And um, it really was like, for me, like the editing surprise of the year. So loved it.
2: Yeah, it was like, um, you would go, like after I saw it the first time, I, I we went home and like talked about it for like two hours because, well, what if this? And what if this? and But remember the thing they did? And it was, you know, it, it was just chock full of so much stuff. And you didn't even know it, like when you were watching it, like you were just, it was like this whole drama was unfolding. And then you'd go back in your head and you'd think about like all of these things that you saw. And I was like, that's editing, you know, these are like things that you were like given, you were just absorbing them. And then you thought about them later. It was just a brilliant like experience. And also I was learning about the French courtroom, what's <laughs> like the greatest thing ever,
1: it's very different like, than the American I want court room. order. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. France.
1: <laughs> yes, that would be really <laughs> interesting.
2: Like they're just like these lawyers going at it, like having a conversation, and you're just like, "What is this?" <laughs> and, like everybody would like opine, and you're just, "This is that was crazy." I loved that.
1: And the other thing the movie did that I thought was just amazing was like this seems very French to me, but it allowed the characters to philosophize in a way that like, it's hard to find that in an American movie, but it felt natural. And I think within the context of a court case and a murder, like it just totally made sense, particularly like the way the lawyers interacted, but there's some really big ideas and the characters, you know, were going there and talking about them. And she was a writer, the main character. So again, she could talk in that way, but I feel like the editing really did them a lot of favors, helping it seem natural, despite the fact that there's some pretty like formulated ideas going on here, but. I enjoyed that part yeah the other thing i, I just want to point out is like one of my favorite editorial sequences of the year is in this movie and it's a scene where the boy was uh sort of like having i can't remember what, what the setup was now but basically he's hearing like a tape of his dad and the dialogue like sinks right over him rec- he's recounting what his dad said and the dialogue sinks right over his lips from the father and it's like a very simple technique but the like we, the impact was like triply powerful and it was just so well done yeah um so again we I'm looking at it in subtitles so there's like an extra layer but I know a little bit of French and it was really interesting to try to hear it and see how well it like as, as the editor sunk up the dad's dialogue over the son really really interesting
2: yeah it was really interesting to use as like memory yeah and like who's who's like who it belongs to and and also just um another part where they're having the argument and like, it's the tape of the argument and, and you're hearing it, but you're watching it play out and then it goes into the courtroom and they're listening to this. Ar- it, it, it was so compelling. I, I still get chills when I think about that whole like thing. So four stars,
0: two thumbs 10 up out of 10. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Well done team. Now, Chris, when you mentioned about the style changing between the chalet and the courtroom, In practical terms, what do you mean? Like, what may I have not noticed, even though you were carrying me as a viewer on a certain journey, but, you know, how was editing a part of that?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, so, again, I watched, for some reason this year, I watched all these movies, like, before I knew what was going to be nominated for editing. So I didn't watch it quite as, like, detailed, like, oh, here's how they put this sequence together, as I might have in past years. But my impression from it was that things were... A little bit longer takes, a little uh, slower paced in the first half, in the chalet. And then once they got in the courtroom by necessity, because it's, you know, the lawyers are there, the client is there, the judge is there. It's, it's just a more cutty section. It's more paced up. And it has that tension that would make you want to cut that way. So that that was my impression and takeaway. I'd be curious to go back and see if I was correct. But that was my feeling, of sort of longer takes versus a, a more intense pace.
0: I also saw the film sometime before the the list of nominations came out, and my takeaway was that there's an intentional ambiguity around what's actually happened that you're left with. I'm curious if as editors, you think that the editor and the director had an answer and was subtle about it, or is it intentionally edited to leave it ambiguous? And Is that a part of the force of the film?
2: Oh, I feel like she left it ambiguous it's like they let like it's on purpose it's like you you know
1: yeah i'd be shocked if that wasn't in the yeah. in a way it just it felt like it it was done very very on purpose to like me. i have
2: friends who like who, who gone on about like the kid and what he did and like how he, and, like, <laughs> it's really just so many it's so ambiguous everybody has a theory of truly really, like well i think it how you know
1: I mean, to me, it's the point of the, one of the points of the movie, right? It's one of the themes that Amy uh, mentioned earlier, which is like, what is knowable? Like, you know, what does it mean to know the truth or what is truth? And the movie like leaves you debating, like, I don't know the truth. And I think that's a part of this legal case. And it's part of like the human condition. Um, so to me, it was like because it was one of the themes it had to had to end that way or was done on purpose anyway.
0: All right, we'll move on to the second film on our list, The Holdovers. Film editing, Kevin Tent.
2: Well, I did not love this movie. Um, And maybe part of it was because I felt it was too long. And maybe that is because of the editing. <laughs> I'm glad to disagree
1: um, finally a little bit. Okay. But, well, no, yeah,
2: and I mean, I thought, like, there's this is a really well done film. It's Alexander Payne. It's just like, everything is just, it's really well done. There was nothing. It was funny. I watched it with um, my in-laws who were also like boarding school students in the sixties in Massachusetts. So they had like their own opinions. And so just like, you know, this, it was like my, my mother-in-law could say, that's, you know, that's Deerfield, that's this, that's, you know, she was naming all the the schools. So, (laughs) may have you know, but, um, no, I just felt like I could, I really could appreciate like what he was trying to do, like the whole vibe he created of just like being in this school. And I really like some of the characters were excellent. Like the kid is great. You know, Divine Joy Randolph is awesome. Like, and, and just Paul Giamatti playing off of everyone, it's excellent, he's great. I just felt like some parts just dragged out way too long for what this movie really is. And so, um, while I cannot argue that it's very well done, I just really felt it was it was too long. I just, there were parts where I was just like, why are we here? Why, we need to move on. And yeah, so as much as I love Kevin Tent, Uncle Kevin, um, he, I, I yeah,
1: huh. yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm first of all, like, I went to a, a private boys' school that had boarding in Toronto, so like, I I really did relate to that part of it and enjoyed <laughs> that world, and it had this great '70s feel. Um, it's interesting. I, I actually this question of like runtime and like what drags and what doesn't. I actually went right before this podcast. I went and looked up the runtimes of all the movies that were nominated because I was really curious, like, what my perception was versus the reality. Funnily enough, I I, get like it was a slow moving movie and then sort of a 70s style. But this was the shortest movie of all the ones nominated. It was two hours and 13 minutes. Um, So that's interesting right there. Like we can talk more about that with some of the longer ones, I guess. But um, so I, I was okay with the pace. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about the editing, frankly. Like I think Kevin Tent did like a great job. Like he let the actors act. You know, I tried to look back at it. It's like it's well it's really well cut. Like I would like to be able to edit. As well as he did, but it's not like the editing is foregrounded at all. Yeah. No, like
2: it's a drama. It's
1: just in the background making. Yeah, it's a drama. It's, it's Comedy coverage. Yeah. It's acting. I mean, he he helped the actors' performances clearly. Like the, this new oh, yeah. kid who hasn't really acted in a movie before is amazing. So clearly, he's doing a good job. But it's it's not like showy editing. It's not the thing that like I'm gonna sit back and remember and like oh that's the best editing of the year. It's just it's very 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 well done, and that's about all. All I can say.
2: No, it's, a, he was a very curious nomination. I mean, I, you know, I, he was not on my list of nominees when I was nominating and I mean, it just, and it's not because I didn't like this film. It's like, I could appreciate like everything he did to help this movie along. And, um, but I just, yeah, it was, it, I, you know, he was kind of a weird choice to choose this movie, but people really love it. And, um, and I get that, you know, but my kid, who you know is now a cinema student in college, is just like if they wanted to make a '70s movie, this movie should have been 98 minutes long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm like, you learned that from your mother.
1: That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing I will point out that was well done in this movie is like use of music, like the Christmas music, the like television shows like
2: he's really great yeah. with that alexander Payne, it's it's he it's truly like he the guy can create a vibe like no matter where he is it's like if you're in wine country if you're in nebraska if, like it's always just he is a fine filmmaker
1: and kevin Ten, editor like helped make that you know
0: come alive and
2: yeah all of those things yeah
0: that was good that was good very well done This idea of structuring it like a 70s movie, like the opening and closing credits, and a certain style that was visually being done, as the editor, is there something you would do different as an approach if you were trying to, I don't know, recreate that film style? Again, I hadn't noticed anything that I would point out on editing, but I'm curious if given the um, assignment, how you would be thinking about it differently as an editor?
2: I think for me, like there were story beats that really just felt unnecessary like the the other kids that were you know the holdovers that like move on fairly quickly um we lingered with them at the beginning and we were setting up something that was never like really going to pay off except for like one of one of or two of the kids at the end but like a couple of the other ones i was just like why are we you know spending time with these kids when we need to get the ball rolling here, but <laughs> um, I think, yeah, just like the long shots, the panning stuff—I mean, all of that stuff—is very of its of a time, and and um, and that was, you know, that was cool and effective. But I think, just in story-wise, there would have been things that I would have, like, really thought. You know, let's move along. We don't need to be with these people.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think if, if a director came to me and I was editing and said, like, I want to make this feel like a 70s movie, I would do exactly what Amy's sort of critiquing, unfortunately. Like things moved slower back then, right? There were less edits per movie. I would l- try to look for longer takes. I'd try to look for like yeah. what I call mise-en-scene, which is like blocking the actors through space and letting them come into close-ups. Um, and so, but it is, a, it's a slower paced thing. And that's just not the way we make movies these days, right? Where we've gotten more propulsive and more used to like cutty stuff. So um...
2: it was a little confusing too, because it's like a lot of this was playing for comedy. And so it, it's, it is, it's like really, and maybe, yeah, we should give Kevin a little more credit, but like, <laughs> I should anyway, I should <laughs> that. Yes, it was, it maybe of its time, but I just felt like then, Like just get rid of the stuff that you don't really need, you know, because I do like those long shots and like the long, you know, it wasn't super cutty. It played differently as a comedy than what we really think of as comedy, you know, or like American fiction where it was kind of like, you know, um, faster paced um, drama comedy, but anyway.
0: Well, we're not getting any shorter with these other films no, as chris not. pointed out and that'll take us to our <laughs> third definitely film definitely not killers of the flower moon film editing by thelma shoemaker
2: why don't you go first chris
0: oh
1: man well let me start with what i do like about the movie which will tell you something about what i'm going to say in a second but um i again i really love the use of the wide landscape shots and, and like the way then the cutting would jump into closer shots and like, that often was very propulsive, uh, shocking, and interesting. Um, and, like, a sequence that stands out is, like, the fire sequence. I think it's a pretty famous sequence. But it's it's these sort of surreal shots of fire kind of bending the image. And the people are silhouetted against it. And it's intercut with, like, what's going on in the personal side. So, like, it's super – it's beautiful and very interesting. Um, I mean, I I just – it's hard for me, like – who am I to tell Martin Scorsese and Thelma Shoemaker like what to do? Like I'm just I'm not them. But yet I'm gonna, I guess because we're in a podcast, I'm gonna tell them what to do. <laughs> and on this theme, like, why? Why is this movie so long? It's three hours and 26 minutes. Like if you want to make a mini-series, go make a mini-series. But I just like as an editor, I was just like, I'm getting the same information over and over again. So I I really didn't enjoy watching the movie. It's it's hard to watch, right? There's a lot of Violence, but I just, it was the editor in me. I wanted to get up and start cutting stuff. Um, yeah. And again, it's just like, it's hard for me to say that because Martin says is like one of my heroes and there's nobody like in the history of cinema. Like there's few editors that I respect more, but I just wish somebody had spoken up earlier and said, try this 30 minutes shorter and see what you get. I, mean, I don't know if they did, but I really would suggest that. And I think it would have made a better movie.
2: No, I just felt like Marty and Thelma, they're at like this point in their lives and careers where they can just do whatever the fuck they want to do. And I just felt like we were kind of ex- like, that was our torture, but <laughs> um, <laughs> because like this, this story is like very, it's like a, a very unsettling story. It's an important story. Like it's well told everything about like everything about it, you know, but why it just dragged on. And I just, it ruined it for me like me too it ruined it it, it i i and I that agree. made me really sad because it's it is an important story to be told like these stories of like native americans and and you know how they've been eternally screwed over in america
1: and i mean the funny thing is like i'll point out like we're in the minority i was curious amy what you were going to say because we do yeah. tend to agree and I, I, but you know which has been fun sort of listening to you over the years and kind of like Understanding, I think, where we're coming from as editors, but I had to go back and I read the like New York Times review of it because I was like, okay, why I'm out of step with like the mainstream on this on some level, and they certainly were getting a lot out of it, like they they loved it, you know, they they thought it was like elegiac and like this epic western, but I I just feel like it would have been stronger had it been tighter.
2: I feel the same, you
1: know, start later, and you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. I got told over and over again, like. He's not the smartest guy, but he's like being manipulated by Robert De Niro. Like I got it. Like wow, there's like like you so don't many have to scenes. show us
2: like every character in the movie pointing this out. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> like have, yeah, have some confidence in what you got. Like I just feel less is more. Like I could have.
2: Oh.
1: Uh, I don't know. Um, and I it's also hard. Like again, I, we've said this in past years, but like you know, I have an emotional reaction to these movies, and that really does influence or color my in- impression of the editing. Right. So then I start to try to, like, rationalize and figure out what it is about the editing that's um, aligning with my emotional reaction. And I, I really wanted to, like, know more about the female lead. I mean, she was amazing. She's nominated in her category. Um, but I just like the characters seemed underdeveloped by the other characters, which was really unfortunate because every time she was on screen, I'm like, oh, like, what is going on? Like what
2: you wanted to be with her like so much. Yeah like all all of those women and just like that whole story was so good. I feel like, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. And then the other part of it that was a little hard was like, you know, the original book, which I've not read, but it, you know, dealt more with the FBI. Well, they come in like kind of very late and there's like a whole other movie suddenly happening. It's like, okay, we've got the FBI investigating what's going on. It's like, oh, that's separate movie, but we're going to start it here. It's like (laughs) end of act two. I don't know. It was a lot.
2: It was a lot.
0: They don't have enough time for their movie because they, in three and a half hours, they still have to have a scene where they all come together <laughs> and explain what's going on. Like yeah. still, <laughs> you still get all this exposition right in the right? You know, oh where they all gosh. come together on a, you know, on a hill. But God right?
2: forbid there's an intermission.
1: Right. <laughs> and the beginning is also like exposition central. It's like
2: so much story. Oh
1: my gosh. Like I'm like- yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm taking notes. I got to remember this for like the end my kid like,
2: really liked it she's like i just i you know i oh i was paying attention the whole time and i was like well good for you honey I, yeah you know but i was drifting off and and me
0: too.
2: <sighs> made me sad but too bad yeah yeah
0: this is an interesting one i wonder what is about the witness test on it because we've been talking about it a lot through the various categories and it's not just a focus on the craft because again, production design is amazing and costume design is amazing. Yeah. But folks from that perspective are often also very impressed with the movie. And there is a strong either you kind of got on whatever ride this was and went with it, or it felt off and it's and it stayed off. It, it stayed off for me as well. I've gone on record as saying. So I'm with you guys on this one.
2: You know, it's like Chris said, it's just like Scorsese is somebody that like we revere and like film a like, like the, like it, Raging Ball is one of the reasons I'm an editor. It's, it's, yeah. it's the thing that like woke me up to, there's something else going on besides Robert De Niro bunching people. What is this thing? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was like, I was 15 and I was like, there was something, you know, I, I owe my career to these people um
1: and the same for me with goodfellas like that was the movie at film school i watched over and over again people in film school know like i did like an homage to it i made one because i was like so like this is amazing i cannot believe what's going on here
2: such a great film yeah but yeah so i feel like we bring these things when we come you know we've we think okay it's gonna be brilliant it's gonna be we're waiting for goodfellas again you know we're waiting for that thing and you know we just get disappointed and it's it's, it's sad to be disappointed in your heroes and and you know and that's it's hard
0: you have all of Apple's money you have all of this incredible yeah. talent around a director who can really do whatever whatever he wants and whatever
2: he wants
0: you hope for something shorter at the very least that would help yeah that, that's <laughs> is it too much to ask for
2: just a little shorter.
0: All right. Fourth film on our list is Oppenheimer, film editing by Jennifer Lane. Jennifer Lane. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I really liked this movie. Um, I thought it was very well done. It was long and I did feel it, but I will say Robert Oppenheimer was a person who wanted to have it all the ways. And it was like this movie showed all of that. And I just felt like this story was, it was very well told and it was very well done. And it even like the whole thing with Robert Downey Jr. like who wanted to have it his way, <laughs> like, like all of that on top of that, it was a very satisfying experience. I, I just remember leaving the theater going, that was very good. You know, I'm not sure like, I didn't love it, But I was very satisfied when I left and I just felt like it was a whole experience and the whole experience was worth like my time sitting in the theater. And I thought Jennifer Lame did a a tremendous job because there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of side stuff. And I was never lost in all of those three hours and whatever it was.
1: (laughs) It was exactly three hours long. I had to look it up. Totally agree with you, Amy. Again, so- sorry, podcast yeah, I listeners.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought Jennifer Lane did an amazing job. And again, it's funny, like Anatomy of a Fall, like there's two worlds, right? There's, it's not really courtroom. I guess it's Congress, but it feels like a courtroom. And there's, I guess there's like an investigation that goes on behind the scenes. And then there's the actual uh, building of the bomb, the atomic bomb, right? Yeah. So there's, like sort of two movies, but she really- balance them threaded and,
2: this needle oh,
1: yeah that so like, and
2: sewed through the whole thing it's really
1: impressive because again i didn't get lost but it built on itself and I, I really really appreciated that and that felt like a lot of the editing made that work really really smoothly yeah
2: I, she's my bet to, to win this whole thing Me too i mean if i truly. yeah if i was going to
1: pick one externally that would be it uh, if it was me voting, I would probably vote for Anatomy of a Fall just because yes. it was such a surprise. But this is the one I actually think will win the category. Yeah. So I agree with you there. Um, there's a sequence, too, I want to point out that just is my other favorite editing sequence of the year. It's uh, I mean, the movie's been criticized a little bit because it doesn't show the effects of the bomb on the Japanese civilians who were sadly attacked by this bomb. Um, but, there's a sequence that I found really fascinating, I thought kind of got at it a little bit. Oppenheimer's like giving a kind of a victory speech after they've had a successful test. And he starts to imagine that his audience and the people who, his audience are the other scientists and the people who helped them make the bomb, he starts to imagine that they are victims of, of the bomb itself, an atomic bomb attack. And it was very harrowing, but it was also so well edited because you're kind of like going in and out of like reality, which is the speech and then his visions and the effect on him. And to me like that, it was just such a great psychological profile. Somebody's like, what have I unleashed? Right. But it was all done through editing. Yeah. And so I just, I loved that sequence. And I thought it actually got at this question people critique the movie about like he, they show this character understanding, like this is going to cause- a whole new level of human suffering. Like we've we've created something really dangerous here. We've opened the box. So I thought that was that was a fantastic sequence and kind of symbolic of the editing power of the whole movie.
2: Yeah, and just how like like science and how excited they were about like 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 getting so thrilled about like you know can we split these mini atoms and can we you know how many you know things do we throw in the thing like all of those things building up to the the, the first test and all of that stuff was really, yeah, it was just very well done. But like that sequence is, is really amazing. I hadn't thought of that in a while.
1: It's not, it's not a perfect movie, but it's like it, no. it drags in some spots and stuff a little bit long and the women characters no, like are a little we'll bit say with like yeah.
2: Emily Blunt, like, yeah, you know, the women characters are tiresome, underbaked, yeah. right? Yeah. Truly underbaked. But, and, but uh, overall,
1: like I still, I do think it's, it's the one I would probably, I, I think the Academy's going to pick for this category. Is my guess.
2: It was a lot of storytelling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really impressive. Yeah. Just an interesting story. Like, you know, no matter truly,
2: like I, you know, I really felt like I learned about this guy and just like Mm -hmm. what was going on in that time period. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Like he was so good. I loved him so much in this movie. I just I I was dying. He was so good. At first, I didn't even recognize him. I was like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, you yeah, know because so he's believable. like become Iron Man yeah, for so right. long,
2: and you're just like ugh, you know, and then you're just like he's so believable. Yeah,
1: yeah, he it's really such inhabits a that character. And like horrible. Yeah, and it's just like oh, he's not so afraid great. to go there. It's great. Yeah.
0: Now it has come up in discussion. Uh, I hadn't read directly, but it was mentioned before that the movie is intended to be Oppenheimer's point of view in the sense I, somebody said that the script itself was written in first person rather than sort of descriptive of the scene, Rather, I walked into the room or this sort of approach. Is there anything about the editing that you think um, reflects this assignment as well?
2: Well, I think like that whole sequence that Chris pointed out, you know, I mean, that's definitely his point of view and just like so much of it is, but like the fact that it does go off on other characters and like you're seeing kind of like machinations of like what's going on with Robert Downey Jr. And and um you know, was that his point of view? I don't know. I never really considered that. But um interesting. I you know maybe the women characters.
1: You're right. Yeah. Yeah. If you go off with another character, it's like right, whose point of view is that? Yeah. Also these are color black and white. It's not really an editing thing because like that obviously has to be just dis- well obviously it doesn't have to be decided but it seemed like to me it was probably decided in shooting we could try to go like make something black and white later but that seemed to be not what they were doing because obviously the black and white was very carefully shot and very beautiful but you know there's something there i guess between uh like was one of the more objective and the other one more subjective color in black and white like i've seen people try to describe it that way maybe um but I don't know if I remember like an editorial difference between the black and white sections and the color sections didn't stand out to me that there was one.
0: And let me ask you guys about editing a film that is shot in an IMAX format, but obviously going to be released, not only in IMAX, but more regularly sized screens as well as an editor. How do you compensate for all that at the same time? Or what kind of challenge does that add? It's hard.
2: It's really hard because you have to just like be very aware of like what your frame is and like w- like what's in that frame and and that would that would be really hard. I yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I've done it like Expedition Bismarck actually. That's kind of what we did. It was shot to be IMAX or really wide big screen, but we were you know, we're cutting digitally, right? So we're cutting on computers. But you, what you just have to do is like again, sort of imagine this big, and then screen it, screen the acts as you go in the biggest room you can find in your editing facility. Um, <laughs> but it does, it does change your editing a little bit. I mean, you, somebody has to decide, like, okay, are most people going to see this on IMAX, or are most people going to see this, you know, streaming? And you kind of have to like go a little bit one way or the other, and and let the other one be compromised a little bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is this cut actually to, to like be evergreen. Like, I don't think I saw it on an IMAX screen. But I saw, I saw screen. it in IMAX and yeah. it was really
2: fun. But I mean,
1: yeah, there's a lot of internal character
2: stuff. Yeah. That, it, yeah. It wasn't like a super IMAX movie. That was what was so funny. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like a, yeah. we're about to talk about poor things, which I wish I'd seen in an IMAX, but like
1: <laughs> me too. Yeah.
2: They'd only shot that in IMAX.
1: Seriously.
0: That'll take us right to it. Uh, as previewed, the last film on our <laughs> list is Poor Things, film editing by Yorgos Mavrop I've probably made a mess of that Mavrop- I'm not Mavrop
2: Saridis. Mavrop Saridis?
1: I wasn't going to try to correct anybody on this. He's I'm a s- lovely Thanks for lovely hopping, hopping in with
0: me. Amy, thanks <laughs> for hopping in.
2: Well, I really liked this movie. I'm a huge fan of Yorgos Lanthimos' films in general. But... Um, I was just kind of taken on the Bella Baxter train and you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I did feel like it was too long. There was parts where I was like, okay, we need to be out of this section and um, I'm ready to, you know, move on. But I enjoyed it and it was beautiful. It was, it was a feast for the eyes. It was, uh, just all of that stuff in the background and and how much of it was green screened and how much of it was projected and how much of it, what it was just crazy. And that was really fun. And I just enjoyed this movie. I mean, I really, I loved it, but in terms of editing, it, it you know, it she had chapters of her adventure. And so I just felt like some chapters were too long and some, so the, some of the parts I it's, it's, it was well done, but I felt like things could have been a little brief in spots.
1: Yes. Yet again, I totally agree with you, Amy. I found I mean I found this movie really interesting, very impressive, amazing, beautiful, original, obviously, right? This film super is, original. He just has such an original voice, always does. The problem I have with the editing specifically is that unfortunately for the editor, and maybe on, on purpose, but it's it, the editing as a craft in this movie is overshadowed by everything else from the script, the acting, cinematography, production design, the costumes, the cinematography, right. Like everything else is just like different and amazing. And at the end of the day, I felt like the editing like didn't add much. Like it wasn't special. And maybe again, it needed to be like to keep, to make the whole thing work. Right. And there's a really like, odd and interesting tone to this movie and i think maybe if you tried to do too much with it it just the movie would fall apart and you it might
2: have fallen apart yeah. yeah because it's like you are following the, the the adventures of you know bella baxter and and you yeah. couldn't make it She's quirky the world you had of, yeah. yeah and you're seeing it through her eyes and and it was it was a very specific thing you know so yeah it couldn't be flashy but yes it got upstaged by like practically everything else yeah
1: like the cinematography (laughs) mark ruffalo everything yeah (laughs) 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 kind of like by design i guess like it had to um you know right just to keep it unified but it's too bad in a sense like i kind of like yeah i would like to see like boy if you you press everything else to its extreme like what would that mean for editing and maybe maybe again it just wouldn't work i don't know but um it was you know it was well done and it let all the other things shine so that's great like but yeah maybe again not my top top choice of all the editing films here for that reason
2: yeah but i did like it
0: yeah me too very (laughs) interesting i liked it as well but and it is interesting to imagine like what would have been more in editing like if again if given the same free leash or it's a good question but i mean as you, guys, you guys have got me thinking about it when I hadn't before
2: Like the favorite, you know He was nominated for that too mm-hmm. um, Yorgos Mavropides <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it, you know and, and that wasn't like a A giantly Spectacularly edited film It was, that was a lot of performance And a lot of, like the same thing It was like cinematography and um. So I don't know It's It is, it's like a very subtle thing With him and like it's very interesting
1: yeah to me it gets back to the conversation we had before about like subjectivity and objectivity yeah like i would say like the editing probably errs a little bit here on like trying to be objective because there's you got such an extreme character in bella um you know i mean she's a creation of a scientist and so it's like you know she's learning about life but i I feel like that the way i would tries like can you be more subjective like what is it like to see things through her eyes editorially what does that mean for some of these scenes but a lot of it's baked in I mean it's really it would be really hard like some of those like fisheye lenses and extreme widescreen like it's really hard to work with that stuff because it's going to jump out and he I mean he did an amazing job of making it all feel unified and that in and of itself is a big task and maybe you can't push too much beyond that or else you're going to kind of get lost you know you won't be grounded with the character anymore.
2: Yeah,
1: but uh, that's that was what I would suggest. It's like, is there a way to edit this more subjectively from her point of view? And what does that mean? What does in that these, mean? In these scenes? Yeah.
2: And maybe they tried it and maybe, maybe it didn't did. work.
1: Mm-hmm. Be curious. <laughs> I don't let know. me know. <laughs> Call us and let us tell us,
2: us. your Yorg- <laughs> other Yorgos. Um-
0: <laughs> either Yorgos, We'll have a conversation with either one of you. I would love to talk to either of them. <laughs>
2: Can we talk about movies we thought should have been nominated? One of my favorite sections
0: every year. You guys guys always bring in interesting things. Not nominated, 2023, but noteworthy for film editing. Who wants to go first? Wow, there's a lot here.
2: All of Us Strangers.
1: That was going to be my pick as well. Like two years in a row, Paul Mescal movies. (laughs) Because if you remember last year. All
2: of Us Strangers was such a beautiful movie that was like fully ignored and
1: so well edited and so well
2: edited Jonathan Alberts.
1: Yeah. How did that not get nominated?
2: How did it, it just like, nobody like paid attention to it. It just got buried in all of the hubbub of whatever. And it was just such an amazing film. And I do hope that in the future people check it out. All of us strangers, it was so beautifully edited and it just, moved me like I can't I still like I cannot stop thinking about this movie like when I saw it like I could not stop thinking about it and then I can just like conjure up moments of it and and you know you'll like be shopping at a store and you'll hear that pet shop boy song and you are just Mm. taken to that place and you're just like oh my god you know (laughs) it's so emotional it's so beautiful I really wish it had been nominated for best editing.
0: Me
1: too. I had to I had to actually look up, like, stop and see, like, what year is it eligible? Because I was like, why is it not nominated? I actually was totally confused for a little bit. Yeah. Because editing makes that movie work. Like, it's so integral to that story. And it, it does work. And it's a supernatural thriller. And it's a love story. Yeah. And it's just, it is subjectively done through editing. Like, it is a masterclass. Like reflections yeah. and,
2: like, just such, uh. like, it's an incredible film and just so well done. And I also felt like past lives was also really well done. I loved that movie and just on an emotional basis and like the economy of storytelling that they had, you know, it was a very low budget film. And I just felt like it was just really beautifully done. That was, those were like my two things that I was kind of like, and maybe American, and like, I don't know, American fiction was really fun. like. Uh, all all of us strangers is my number one
1: and yeah, me too and i was surprised that maestro wasn't nominated in the editing category as well not not my favorite movie of the year but like
2: i did not like the yeah. movie but but the music <laughs>
1: sequences are very very good
2: yeah they're very good really well edited. Like they're very good yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, the movie itself is like a little bit too long, a little bit yeah. episodic, oh but it's... but those music sequences are just beautifully done and very moving to me. So again, I was surprised that wasn't nominated over the holdovers, but yeah, boy, I wish that all of us strangers got nominated for editing. I really do. I'm
2: glad you feel the same. Yeah. Way.
1: Two years in a row that little Paul Mescal movies have for me been the one that has not nominated for editing. So Paul Mescal, I've got a script for you. Paul Come Pascal. call me. We'll work together. I'm, I'm on your side here. Paul
0: Muskell movies that are very sad that <laughs> are both really, are really sad. Like Paul movies. <laughs> I mean, that did would you be the see problem. All of strangers? I just did kids? see it, and uh, yeah, I just think people were so sad they didn't vote for it, mm-hmm. and it's really it just it leaves you <laughs> like even it was too sad. We even think, <laughs> and we're not since we didn't announce it up front, we're not going to do spoilers on it. But uh, I can see editing is what makes it work, and it's just such a rug pull the whole thing that you just yeah. are left sad there's no other way to, that's editing effective sad
1: but killers of the flower moon is also just so dark and sad like
2: so it is a, dark right? and sad and then but you didn't leave like like you just felt like really unsettled like
0: yeah it's a different know, feeling like oh uh. Yeah, and then it leaves you on a radio show thing from the middle that doesn't mm. really seem to fit with anything at all. And yeah. so Ugh. I'm I'm left less sad and more just confused by the end of. True, that's a good point. It's yeah. just like it doesn't, the way it summarizes is not is not as, again, to the point, Strangers is just focused in a way that by the time you get to the end and everything is sort of played out, you're like, wow, what am I going to do with yeah. this? That's to its credit. True. I recommend it for mm-hmm. editing as well. Well, on that note, we'll call it a wrap. Great having you guys here, as always.
1: Thank you for having us. It's so much fun to get to have these conversations. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. Thank you, Amy.
2: Thank you, Chris and Skid and everybody for listening. And um, yeah, I love talking about these movies every year. So always a good time.
0: I appreciate you guys thanking the listeners as well. That is my next bit. Listeners, you know we appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info on our website, below the line, one word, dot .biz. That's B-I-Z. Are you enjoying the Oscar episodes? We're enjoying the Oscar episodes. Join us again, and please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wong for our logo. The logo is available on T-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Let's see your mugs, guys. You guys are owners of the mugs. They're out there, folks. They're great to all of our listeners. I do appreciate you, whether or not you buy a mug. Do rate us wherever you are, however, and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.